our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The world calls it Easter, but we know what it's all about. It's all about you. Your love for us, sending your only begotten Son, so that we could life, have life and life more abundantly. Help us now to hear a word from you. Yes, we came because it's this special day. But we came most importantly to receive a message from you. Reveal it to our hearts. Make it plain in our minds that we might leave better than we came. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And all that agree with that prayer said, Amen. 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 Good morning, good morning. You all look good. You may be seated. Once again, if you are visiting with us, we welcome you. We're so glad you're here in the mighty name of Jesus. Well, go ahead and open with me in your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 12. There is a particular passage of scripture that I've been directed by the Lord to minister to you today. And the instruction for this message came to me probably about nine months ago. I knew that this particular passage, not the one that we're opening with, but the main passage where we are going to, that there's something in it that the Lord wants you to see and to receive. As the scripture says, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. Our text today is in Acts chapter 12, verse 1. We're going to talk about life and death. In Acts chapter 12 and verse 1, the Bible says, Now about that time, Herod the king, about this particular time, stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. Evidently, Herod was not a believer. He was an unbeliever, a pagan. He killed James, the brother of John. I remember James and John, the sons of thunder, wanted to call down fire from heaven. Well, this here, Acts chapter 12, years after the resurrection, about certain season period of time, Herod, this ungodly king, wanted to just cause the church problems and had James killed. And because it's, he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Take him for what? He's going to kill him. Put him to death. Yeah. Then were the days of the unleavened bread. Now if I understand correctly, that's something of an observance God gave to Moses in the Exodus the feast of the unleavened bread. Jesus at certain times would make mention of that. There was the breaking of the bread and the drinking of the cup. Unleavened bread. It was about that time. And when he had apprehended him, didn't just want to, he went about to do it. He put him in prison. Delivered him to four Cartornians. I don't know how much a Cartornian is, but probably a lot. Four Cartornians of soldiers to keep him intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people, likely again to execute him. 
towards verse 5. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Uh, I hope you can notice that we're a praying church. Yeah. I mean, every week we want to celebrate testimonies of individuals who called into the church to put in a prayer request on the back of the connect card, dropped it in the offering receptacle as they went out. And literally, within the same week, one sister, the, the interview went so well, the owner of the company called. Another dear brother, going through a tough time, all these different things happening, but all of a sudden, things turned into midnight. Why? Because prayer without ceasing. These folks, their names was called out in prayer. If you, if you follow the full story here, I mean, prayer was being made. I mean, God delivered him, released him. He, he was led out through a court, you know, walked out. I mean, from in between all of these soldiers, doors opened on his own. He went to, to the house where they were praying. They, they thought it was his angel. They were in there praying so hard. They're thinking they're saying an angel. He's like, no, it's me. Come on, let me in. <laughs> but we'll get to read that in its entirety in our chapter. I didn't know this prior to just the other day, but the only time that the word Easter is mentioned in the Bible is here in Acts chapter 12. <coughs> What's very unique about this is it's not a Christian holiday. No, not at all. The word Easter actually comes from a goddess that was worshipped in Eden. That was before Christian. It was a celebration of spring. Festivals. I mean, we like to have festivals. Harvest festivals and spring festivals. I can tell you Easter is not about a rabbit. It's not about candy and chocolate. I like chocolate. It's not about eggs, you know, and all of these different things that have really cast a shadow over what this is really about. Yeah. I did a bit of a study just to help you and I understand things a bit better. Verse 4, of course, in the New King James, reads this way, says, so when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four uh, squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the pe people after, what's that word? Passover. Now, in the King James, it was called Easter, but in the New King James, whatever this word was in the Greek, it, 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 it also refers to the period of time that's called Passover. Passover and Easter are celebrated around the same time, which is simply, actually, I didn't know this, it's based on the full moon. So the first Sunday after the first full moon in spring, or about this season, that's when Passover is celebrated, which is a Jewish holiday, which is also you remember the passion of the Christ at that time when he made his triumphal entry, had his last supper. It was about this time. So that explains why at Easter we celebrate the resurrection. But no matter its origin or the technical meaning, I can tell you that Easter is a matter of life and death. Beginning a new series today. If you don't know, I, I preach in series. So we'll pick this up again 
in a different direction as the Lord would see fit on next week. But I want to talk to you today about life and death. That Easter is a matter of life and death. For one, James was killed. That was a matter of death. Peter, because prayer was made about this time, it's a matter of life and death. And you might be in situations right now that's a life and death situation. And I can tell you, that's what this time is all about. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, which is the, the golden text for this series, God said this to the people, to Moses. He says, look, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. And I believe this is that word that God has given us to this day. He is setting before us, again, at this Easter season, life and death, good and evil. And a few verses after that, he says, I call heaven. God is calling all of the angels and everyone in earth to witness today against us that he is setting before us both life and death, blessing and cursing. And then he urges us because we have the freedom to choose. With God, you're not forced to do anything. He says, I set this choice before you, but then I encourage you, choose life. Be a hard choice. Life on one hand, death on the other. It would be easy. I would choose life. How about you? It wasn't so for everybody. Then neither is it now. There's some people that are not in church today. They didn't choose God today. But he encourages us to choose life that both you and your descendants may live. About nine months ago, again, word came to me to preach on this day and it was here in Luke chapter 16 the story I'm about to read to you is not a parable it's something that absolutely actually took place Jesus is telling a story he says there was a certain man anytime the Bible or Jesus says there was a certain man whether he names him like Lazarus or you know some other name or doesn't if he says there was a certain man, you can count on it. This is not a fairy tale. This is something that actually took place. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen, and he fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate. I mean, he, he lived in a gated community. <laughs> He'd sit there while the rich man put in his numbers and the gate opened. He was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. One went to a good place and the other one was buried. And in hell, the rich man lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and sees Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. <coughs> he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented 
in this land. But Abraham said, son, remember that you in your lifetime received you good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. But beside all of this between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, and neither can they pass to us which would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, and that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They've got Moses and the prophets. Moses was a preacher. The prophets are preachers. Let them hear them. He said, no. I, I mean, nay. <laughs> nay, Father Abraham. But if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. Some supernatural happening. They'll repent. And he said, no. If they hear not the preacher, Hear me now. Neither will they be persuaded. Though one rose from the dead. There, this is a matter of life and death. This story is a matter of life and death. There are several things here that are critically important. Both men live their lives and both men die. How many of you all know that death is a part of life? Unfortunately. Every one of us someday will die. But the big question is, where will we spend life after death? One man went to a good place, and the other man went not just to a bad place. He went to hell. Hell is a real place. It's a place of death, and it is a place of torment. The other day, I was working with a young man, and we got to talking, and you know, uh, I begin to minister to him. You know, he's believing to, you know, do some things in life and want some good things in life. And I'm the way I'm talking, it's like something's not being received. And come to find out, he doesn't believe at this moment. He's struggling to believe that there's a devil. Now, the only thing that bothered me is he's from New Orleans, and I just can't figure out how he can come from New Orleans and not believe that there is a devil, that the devil is real. Bear with me if you're from Louisiana. <laughs> Louisiana, however you say it, praise God. I'm from the north, Detroit, amen. A lot of similarities from the big D to the big easy. Come on. He didn't believe that there is a devil. And there are people that, that, that don't believe that there is a God in heaven. There are some people that don't believe that there is a devil in hell. But I've been sent by the Lord to tell every one of you that there is a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun. The Bible tells us very clearly that this man in hell lift up his eyes, being in torment, and he sees Abraham afar off. There's something unique, and I've got to point it out, because if I read this correctly, when he died, he was buried in a tomb. He was buried and put in the ground. His body, if he was six foot tall, is six foot deep in the ground. But the Bible says he was buried, but in hell, he lift up his eyes. Well, if his eyes was in his body, come on. 
and his body was in the ground, then what is verse 23 talking about? There is a reality in, that you must understand. According to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23, I'm not making this up out of my mind. The Bible says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you. Somebody say that means me. Sanctify you completely, and I pray may your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He came once, he's coming again. But notice the Bible refers to you as a spirit, soul, and body. You are a tripart being. This is so important for you to understand. Why? Because when you die, you are not dead. Your spirit is made in the image of God. God is a spirit, and we are made in his image and in his likeness. We are spirit beings, and we live inside of physical bodies. So when we die, all that means in the natural is that our physical body ceases to function, and we put it in the grave. But we step outside of this body, and based on the choices that you and I make, life on one hand and death on the other hand, we'll find ourselves before the Lord. Lord that we call. Now I can understand then when it says in hell he lifted up his eyes. You have spiritual sight. You have eyes that are that you can see as it were in the spirit. Praise God. Uh, so I, 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 I can hardly ever uh, preach on 1 Thessalonians 5.23 without remembering uh, you, you know some people think that they're soul and body. And, and, and there was a song out a long time ago. I'm a soul man. <laughs> You're not a, you're not so body. You're spirit, soul, and body. He went to hell. Hell is for an eternity. And it is real. It's a real place. It's another powerful point that this passage makes. In verse 27, he said, do me one solid. <laughs> Send somebody to my father's house. I got five brothers. I got a niece and she got four brothers. That's a lot of men in one family. I want you to notice here that this man, though he is in hell in flames, his greatest desire outside of himself is that somebody go to his family and tell them so that they don't come to him. If you have a loved one that's already passed, whether they're saved or not, I can tell you that their greatest desire at this moment is that you would avoid going to hell and that you would make it to heaven. How is that tied to today? I'm glad you asked. What's unique about this? This man is in hell. But how it connects to that is that Jesus also actually went to hell. Yeah. 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 
He went to hell. Hell is a real place. And there is life after death. In John chapter 17, as we embrace the story of the cross, the reality is that Jesus went to the cross so that you can go to heaven. The Bible says that he, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side and Jesus at the center. Now Pilate wrote on a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was this, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. He went to the cross so that you could go to heaven. History tells us that there indeed was a man named Jesus, whether you've accepted him as Savior, whether you believe that he is the Son of God, or whether you believe that he is a prophet. What I want you to know for certain, he is the Son of God, and he went to hell so that you don't have to go to hell. People don't go to hell because of sin. The Bible made it very clear. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Why then will people go to hell? They go to hell simply because they did not accept sin's substitute, which was Jesus. Jesus went to hell. And please get the story straight. He did go to hell. There's some people that don't imagine that the king of kings and lord of lords, actually, maybe he just died on the cross and was put in the, in the tomb. But the Bible says that he actually went to hell and was tormented like this other man was in a flame. His grace desire also was that you wouldn't come here. Bible teaches us, and the Holy Spirit brought this passage of Scripture to me to show you from the Word that he indeed went to hell. In Isaiah 53 and verse 3, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces uh, uh, from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for us to have peace in this life was upon him, and not only that, by his stripes we are healed. But the important verse in this passage is verse 6. And we all are like sheep gone astray. I've gone the wrong way. I've gone into the wilderness. I've gotten to a bad place. I went up into a high mountain, and he came after me. We have turned every one of us to our own way. But the Lord God laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. God put all of our sin on Jesus, and he was condemned to hell because of our sin. But the Bible teaches us the prophet David, king, saw the Lord and prophesied what he saw. In Acts chapter 2, Peter was preaching to the, his first message ever to a group of people that were gathered. And he quotes what David said in verse 31. He seen this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ. 
David spake about Jesus' resurrection long beforehand. In other words, he saw it in a vision, just like Daniel saw things in a vision and Isaiah saw things in a vision. Well, one day, I don't know how, I don't know when, but David was seeing something in the realm of the spirit and that God raised up the Messiah from the dead. Not only did he see the resurrection of Christ, but he saw that his soul was not left in hell. Neither did his flesh see corruption. Do you understand? Jesus went to hell. David saw that God raised him and didn't leave him, come on, in hell. He went there so that you would. Now when the people heard this message preached. They were preaching. <coughs> I pray that if you're here that something struck you down on the inside. Hell is real. You don't want to go in there. They said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and women, what shall we do? And as I get ready to close in just a few minutes, he said unto them, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. My question to you today is have you done that? Have you repented of your sins? Have you been baptized in water? If not, let me urge you believe the preaching Believe the story. Don't just surmise that you figured it out. And listen, going to church doesn't save you. But accepting the Lord in your heart and believing that God did raise him from the dead, though you know you have no proof, believe the story and you will be saved. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 5. This is right after the resurrection. The angel answered and said unto the women that came to the tomb, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. Why? Because he, come on, y'all help me now, is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. There were people that were skeptical then. We were reading in Acts chapter 12, and there were Jews in that day that still hated the church. Don't be like them. Don't be a skeptic. Don't be an agnostic. Don't be an atheist. There are atheists throughout all time who died, and the moment that they died, they realized they were wrong. And their greatest desire somebody in their family not follow their stupid and reject Jesus. Christianity is not about living a perfect life. We all make mistakes. We all sin from the pulpit to the parking lot. But the Lord God laid on Jesus all of our sins past that don't mean go out and plan to have sin because Jesus already forgave you. That's ignorance gone to seed, brother. But realize life is not about 
perfection which we pursue. I proceed with that. But it's about accepting the choice, the life that was set in front of us. What shall I do? Believe the story. Believe. As the scripture says in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, therefore just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all have sinned. If you're here today and you've never accepted the Lord, let me tell you the story. The one man in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, is Adam. Sinned against God. And as a result of one man's sin, death entered into the world. Sin entered into the world. And it passed upon all men because every single man except Jesus after Adam has fallen short. That was a problem. So the first thing you've got to do is believe that you need a savior. That you need to be saved. The second thing is based on what we all know, John chapter 3, verse 16, that God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, you won't have proof. You'll have to believe in him. You would not perish, but have everlasting life. What are we saying? What shall you do? Believe that you need a savior, but then also believe that Jesus is God's solution. Number three, in Romans chapter 10 and verse number eight, the Bible says, what does it say? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth, your mama can't do it for you. And believe in your heart. Your boss can't believe for you that God has raised him from the dead. But pastor, I need more proof. I'm sorry. You got to believe. You will be saved. Well, how does this work? Verse 10 tells us, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, you got to say it out loud. You can't just believe it in your heart. You got to open up your mouth. If somebody were to ask you, Are, do, do you, have you accepted Jesus? Yes, I have. I believe that he is my savior. I can't prove him to you. I don't know the scriptures like the pastor does, but I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. You confess it with your mouth. What shall I do? Believe that you need a savior. Believe that Jesus is God's solution. Believe that God raised him from the dead. And then number four, the Bible says, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power, the right, the authority, the privilege to become children of God. If you were to put a gun to my head and ask me the question, do I believe that I'm a child of God? I'd say it without blinking an eye. There's a Holy Spirit on the inside of me that God has given. When you receive Jesus, he gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, when he comes in, he, he bears witness with your spirit that you belong to God. He said, how do I know if I'm saved? There ought to be something. I'm not talking about having doubt in your mind. Because you can do some dumb stuff. You can live in, in sin and it'll cause doubt to overshadow your mind. But if you ever were to look down in your heart. Yes. See, you shouldn't leave. 
not knowing where you're going to spend eternity. I didn't put it in my, my notes, but there's a scripture in the Bible says that these things that we're reading are written so that you might know that you have eternal life. I know where I'm going to go if I die. I'm going to go to heaven. Well, how do you know? I believe. <laughs> That's all we got. I believe. But as many as received him to them, he gave the right and authority, the privilege to become children of God to those who believe on his name. Number four, believe or, or receive the free gift. It said that many has received him. You've got to receive it. Just like we've got, hand me that cup right there. Just like we got a free gift. If you fill out that connect card, whether you visit us in the uh, reception or if you just drop it in the reception, the, the receptacle, we're going to track you down, call you, you know, find a way that we can get this to you. Amen. But in order for you to have this, you've got to what? You've got to receive it. You've got to receive the free gift. And then lastly, in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Number five is you receive it by faith. You receive it by faith. Stand up with me on your feet. You receive it by faith. If you're here today, listen carefully. Matter of fact, if I could have every head bowed and every eye closed in prayer. I want to give you an invitation. We sent out over 100,000 invites on the Internet. Maybe you're here as a result of something, maybe a sign that you saw, maybe an invitation that was given. And maybe this is the first time that it's been made plain to you, the story of Easter and what it's really about. Peradventure, there may be anybody here, young or old, that does not know Jesus. Let me pray with you and for you. Secondarily, you might be here and you're not sure whether you're saved or not. Sometimes you think you are, but when you look at all the bad things you have done, you're not sure. If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer so you can receive the assurance of salvation. Will you do that with me? Congregation, will you help those that are praying for the first time and say this out loud? Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I do believe that Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God, that he died for me, bearing my sins for me. They put him in a grave, but I believe he is alive. He is risen. Come into my heart. Save me from my sins. Lord, I repent of all my sins, things I've done, things I've seen, places I've gone, things that I've said, and I accept your offer of forgiveness. Save me, Lord. Cleanse me, Lord, from all unrighteousness. I thank you for it. I receive it by faith and I declare Jesus is Lord. He is the son of God and he is my savior in Jesus name. Amen.